I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. It is time for another edition of VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Danny Burke, your host here as always, and also always present in this slot to preview Monday Night Football. It is Brady Cannon alongside me at Las Vegas Golfer, where you can follow Brady on Twitter. As for myself, at Danny Burke 5 And, you know, not to, uh, you know, put it to uh, a tough test here, but Brady, you've been on quite the roll for our Monday Night Football preview, so the fans are expecting another good one out <laughs> of you, my friend, and I know you'll always deliver. So we got the Bears and the Patriots. We'll talk about that game. And we'll also preview a few upcoming spots that stand out to us early on for NFL Week 8. But as we look at this Monday night game, you know, I'm obligated to be interested as a Bears fan. Maybe not interested, but I have to watch, right, regardless of how bad it is. Uh, Betters maybe see an opportunity with New England laying eight. That seems to be the consensus number, Brady. But I really have seen it as low as seven and a half and as high as nine here in Illinois. And then this total, you've seen some movement too. It's kind of been funny to see this move back and forth. 38 and a half is where it opened. Now it's actually been getting some resurgence to the over up to 40 in the hook is what we're seeing in a lot of shops. Your initial thoughts on this game and some of these line movements. Well, I tell you what, uh, I, I hope I can continue the streak here uh, of winners on Monday night because uh, it was not a good Sunday for me uh, at the counter uh, in week seven. I uh, went 0 for 4 
in my bets today. Uh, I, and I left a couple off the card that I liked that would have been winners, but um, I lost with the Colts. Uh, I lost with the 49ers. I lost with the Texans and I lost with the Atlanta Falcons. So hopefully we can get right here on Monday night. Uh, I don't have a bet on this game and, and I actually don't think I will, Danny, but I tell you what, if I did bet it, I would be taking your bears and the points. Um, if you look at the line, what it was over the summertime when these first come out in uh, you know late May, early June, that type of thing, the Patriots were favored by six and a half points. And I think for the most part, the Bears have been pretty much what we expected them to be. We did not expect them to be a very good team. They have not been a very good team. Uh, and the Patriots... I think they've been pretty decent, but what we have seen the past couple of weeks is them blow a couple of teams out. They shut out the Detroit Lions 28 to nothing, and then they took care of the Cleveland Browns handily 38 to 15. So I think those two recent results by the New England Patriots have kind of inflated this line a little bit all the way up to eight, uh, obviously on the other side of a full touchdown. And so I think maybe as far as line value, it exists a little bit with the Chicago side. And if I was going to play a side, that would be the one. Uh, if you've got, you know, the Patriots on the second leg of a teaser, if you tease them down to two, I really like that position. Uh, but we're kind of out of games to, I mean, unless you're going to tease it into something with week eight. But that may be the best play uh, that I like is New England on a teaser. But, you know, aside from all that, the exotics, what have you, I would probably, uh, if you force me to make a bet, I'd probably take the Bears plus the eight. They're on extra rest here. Uh, that can only help this team who is struggling. Uh, they really probably should have won that game uh, last Thursday night against the Washington Commanders. They found a way to blow that. And, you know, I think that also leads to the public perception uh, that they've just seen this team uh, perform really poorly in the last couple of weeks. And, and again, we, they, they're not a very good football team. Um, but can they stay inside the number? I, I think they've got a shot. And, and what a better stage to do so. It's usually a stage when you see a bad football team rise to the occasion is prime time, and especially Monday night. So if there was ever going to be a spot when the Bears might show up, I, I think they're going to be hard-pressed to win the game, uh, but they might just be able to stay within the number. Okay, so a couple notable things to throw out there. Uh, looks like Mac Jones will reportedly start in this game. I know there's kind of a built-up quarterback controversy or battle, whatever you want to call it, between Mac Jones and uh, the very sufficient Bailey Zappi. So reportedly it's going to be Mac Jones. Some other tidbits. Belichick coming into this game with 324 career coaching victories, including the playoffs. That's tied with Bears legend George Halas, of course. So, uh, you know, it'd be kind of uh, serendipitous for him to uh, overcome that against the Bears on primetime, right? And then uh, Don Shula's next, by the way, with 347. But that second place all-time that Belichick can overcome Halas. Um, that's just kind of throwing those tidbits out there. But when you're really looking at the raw numbers, something that's going to be important to consider for this game is how bad this Bears run defense is. And I think most people are aware of that. Most betters are aware of that. The Bears rank 27th in DVOA run defense. They're allowing a buck 63 per game, which puts them 29th in the NFL. They're allowing opposing running backs 4.8 yards per carry, which is 24th in the National Football League. And we know what the Patriots are going to want to do offensively, especially getting Mac Jones back in the mix. 
try to take some of that pressure off, utilize who's been a great running back this year, Ramondre Stevenson, and try to really control the tempo in that facet. And it looks like Damian Harris is going to be back from the hamstring injury too. So they'll kind of have that dual-headed threat of the two running backs who do a tremendous job if they get the battle in the trenches won on their side, which I'm sure they'll have no issues with. And conversely, for the Bears offensively, we know their issues, Brady. But Justin Fields, uh, he's been sacked 23 times on 115 pass attempts. That's one in every five pass attempts when you put it on average for Justin Fields. And defensively, New England against the pass is six in DVOA. Uh, we know all the struggles that Fields has had, not really looking at second options, not doing the necessary reads, missing open receivers. And look, Getzey hasn't been the best play caller. Fields is really moving the ball with his feet and improvising and getting a great throw here or there. I could go into a rant and rant and rant about it's, about how it's his fault, about how it's not his fault. But look, we're just concerned about this game right now. And when it's all said and done, throwing out all those numbers that really could stress the importance here, Brady, I think what you said about the teaser was the best play and still could be the best play in this game, getting down to England somewhere below the key number of three. And it's not that this is some kind of new thought to me. I've just been sitting back a little bit because I had a different outlook for Sunday and pairing certain teams. But uh, there's also part of me that's just like, ah, do I really want to go against the Bears? And look, I go against the Bears a lot and you got to be objective as a better. But I guess I'm just trying to think the best way to do it because I would have considered doing it with Miami earlier tonight. Brady and I recording this on Sunday night. Uh, I didn't feel too confident in that game. But seldom do I do this. I know you had brought it up briefly before. But is it almost worth it, do you think, if you want to do the same game teaser to tease down New England and maybe bring up that total to like 46 and a half? Because when I'm thinking of this game, I kind of see it maybe around like a 24-13 game if I really had conviction with New England. But at the end of the day, with Mac Jones as their quarterback, I don't know how confident I am in wanting to lay the eight with them. Uh, do you think that would be a viable option? I know we really don't want to look to tease totals, but could this be one of the exceptions? Well, you know what? It, it feels to me like you're kind of chasing a little bit, just trying to find a bet. You know, I probably wouldn't tease it with the total. I, I don't have a great uh, feel for what the total is going to end up at. Not not the closing line, but where this game is, you know, how it's going to play out in terms of the total. We've seen so many primetime unders, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we had another one here. Um, but, you know, teasing that 40 all the way down to, uh, you know, 34 looks attractive, too. You would think that they can put up 35 points in this game. It, again, that just feels like a chase for me to you know try and figure out how somehow you can get some action on True. this game I, I guess if I was probably going to tease it at all I, I'd find another attractive game in week eight where you're going through the three and the seven like you are here uh, with the New England Patriots taking that eight down to minus two uh, you talked about the rushing defense woes for the Chicago Bears Danny over 69 percent of the touchdowns allowed by the Bears have come on the ground that's the high highest rate in the league and oh by the way over 57 percent of the touchdowns by the new england patriots have come on the ground that's fourth in the league so you know those are uh statistics there that are conflicting in a big way for the new england patriots and against the chicago bears uh if there is going to be a lot of running in this game and you know what you would expect now bill belichick threw a little bit of a uh curveball at us last week and had bailey zappy throw the ball when we expected yeah. 
him to rush the ball against the Cleveland Browns. It worked out brilliantly. Uh, Zappy threw for over 300 yards, but I got to believe that you know, whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, that they are going to look to run the ball with Stevenson uh, and, and the other, you know, the dual headed threat there, both going and healthy for New England. Mac Jones has had some problems with interceptions so far this season. So do you really want to trust him throwing the ball and possibly giving this uh, Chicago team any sort of a chance? We know about Bill Belichick and, and his ability to focus on one element of what the opponent does well and shut it down. And we saw that's what he did last week in Cleveland, holding them to just 70 yards rushing, you know, the best rushing attack in the NFL. And you don't have to look too far to find out what Chicago does well. There are very few things that they do do well, um, but their strength is certainly rushing the football. Now it's a little bit too pronged. You know, they run the ball well with Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery, but then they also have Justin Fields who can run the ball. I think their number one priority will be stopping the traditional run game. And then the, in addition to that, they'll set up their defense where they try to contain fields. And, and if they're able to execute all that, they're going to win the football game. And it's probably going to stay under the total again if New England also chooses to rush the football and not through it, throw it through the air. But as far as trying to, to create a bet, you know, I never like to do that. Um, I think the best bet that you could make in this game would be teasing down New England and maybe, you know, hopefully they're the second leg of a teaser that you still have is live. But otherwise, if you really wanted to do that, I'd probably look past the total and into a week eight contest that had advantageous numbers. Yeah, no, it's a wise way to go about it as well. Better than to just chase to get some action and maybe settle for doing something with the total. If you feel confident enough in New England teasing them down, no problem having some patience and waiting for the upcoming week. So a really good note to kind of subscribe to in a lot of situations. And I think another good note you had, you know, I was alluding to this Bears run defense and you added on to that with some of the stats. So, and I'll talk about this a little bit in prop watch looking at Ramadre Stevenson, but uh, Brady, I'm looking at Caesars right now, and for example, Stevenson to score anytime touchdown minus a buck twenty-four. Damian Harris is plus one forty. So you look at Stevenson; he had two touchdowns last game at Cleveland, but Damian Harris was not in that game. Ramondre Stevenson's only had one other rushing touchdown, and that was versus Baltimore back at the end of September. Damian Harris, though, on the other side. He has four rushing touchdowns. Again, he didn't play last week. He didn't have any against Detroit. Uh, he only had four carries, 11 yards. That's where he kind of got hurt in that game, right? So that probably prohibited him from getting more action in the red zone. But otherwise, he was on a streak. Or pardon me, he has three rushing touchdowns, not four, three. So I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's tricky to see who's going to get those handoffs. You would imagine Stevenson would still be the guy, but for some reason they do like to go to Harris even because Belichick's always hard to predict with who he's going to put out there in the red zone. It's like it alters week after week. So maybe you almost just flirt with the value of Damian Harris as high as plus 140. I know you don't dabble uh, too crazily with the props, but is that where you would maybe gravitate if you had to choose between the two? Yeah, I, I would. I, I would play the plus money with Harris uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, like you mentioned, uh, Belichick, you know, always the, the unpredictable is predictable, right? And and in this case, the predictable would be Ramondre Stevenson, and, and I think he's priced accordingly. He He's kind of the feature back in that backfield for the Patriots, and you know how it is in the prop market. Those guys are always, you know, uh, garnering elevated prices, and so that's probably the case 
case with Stevenson here. And and yeah, I, my expectation for Belichick would be to go, you know, against the grain and, and Damian Harris happens to get maybe more carries in the red zone or, or maybe he gets two rushing touchdowns, you know. So again, yeah, I would go with the plus money guy because, um, you know, that's the unknown with Belichick. And, and I think you're getting better value there rather than just laying a price with Stevenson because that is so expected to happen. I like it. Well, Brady, uh, that's pretty much all I got for this game, unless you got anything additional. Like I said, I'll, I'll add some more bets in terms of prop watch, but uh, my favorite play for just looking at the outright angle would be teasing down New England. I still don't even hate the idea of playing the under, especially if it keeps getting bet up. Not that I think it will get to maybe even 41, but if it did, then I'd maybe have to really contemplate looking at this game staying under, but definitely have enough confidence in the Patriots overcoming this Bears team at home primetime Belichick against a young quarterback you know we saw you know Daniel Jones doing bootleg play action with Saquon and they were able to get past the Bears I'm sure Belichick can figure out something similar or even a little bit more uh, in depth to overcome this Bears team even if it's Mac Jones who doesn't scramble as much as Zappy, but she still got Stevenson and Harris so uh, yeah I do think New England gets it done again I kind of predict about 24 to 13 but any last thoughts you got here for this game Brady before we move on because I know I got plenty to ask you before before we wrap up in terms of NFL Week 8. Yeah, sir. I'll, I'll give you a couple here. First of all, uh, we all know about the storyline about how Bill Belichick is able to have great success against rookie quarterbacks. Uh, but he also has tremendous success against first-time NFL coaches. And that's what you have here in Matt Eberflus for the Bears. So I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they're pretty staggering. It's, it's similar to his success against rookie quarterbacks. So Belichick ought to have his way from a coaching standpoint with the opposition here. Also, the Bears, by the way, Justin Fields has the lowest passer rating of any quarterback in the red zone this season. Four of 11 passes inside the red zone, two touchdowns and one interception. Now, you know, I've always got a good trend stat for you. Here's one. And it kind of goes into the point that I made at the top of the program here, talking about how the Patriots might be a little bit inflated in terms of the point spread off of what they've done the last two games to Cleveland and Detroit. So Bill Belichick in his career facing a bad team at 500 or worse is 12 17 and 2 against the spread when he's won his last two games by 40 plus points so you know that that sounds kind of random you know when he's won his last two games by 40 plus points he doesn't have success against a bad team but if you again read between the lines there it's exactly what we're seeing here. He's facing a bad. He's facing a bad team. He he blew out his last two opponents, so it's inflating the line. It becomes harder to cover as a favorite, and he's done that 12, 17, and two over his career in this situation. So, uh, you know, another reason I think that backs up the, my point that this point spread could be a little bit inflated. And again, if I had to bet the side, I, I would just be forced to take the points, but. I'm probably going to stay away because I don't feel too strongly about playing on this Bears team on Monday night. 
Fair enough. And hey, if Brady does add anything, it will be listed at VEASAN.com. And at VEASAN.com, folks, you can become a pro subscriber. You get access to all of our picks, all the show hosts and the guests. You get Point Spread Weekly, our digital betting guide, 24-7 live video streaming. You get betting splits that separate the data from the pros and the Joes. You get opening lines. You can see where all those line moves when Brady and I are throwing out all these tidbits. It is all covered at VEASAN.com. Just $99. You'll have access to everything VEASAN Pro offers all the way through the Super Bowl. So make sure you check it out at VSIN.com slash subscribe. All right, Brady, moving along, looking into NFL Week 8. I'm kind of just browsing through the slate right now. I was looking a little earlier, and I had some in the back of my head that I wanted to ask you. But uh, just even going more so now, uh, you know, we can't ignore Thursday night football with Tampa Bay and Baltimore. I mean, who would have thunk it? The Carolina Panthers pretty much... Uh, like just blatantly tanking right in front of our eyes, which doesn't really happen in the NFL, but the Panthers are damn near doing it. Uh, yet Tom Brady can't get any offense and they actually lose to the Panthers. Now they go back home on a short week against the Ravens who got a much needed win, not the most comfortable win, but a win nonetheless. Tampa Bay was originally the three point favorite Brady. Now it is flipped to Baltimore minus one. I'm even seeing at Circa out by you, Baltimore minus one and a half. And by the way, total open 44, now down to 43 and a half. Yeah, you know, it, it's real easy to react here and take Baltimore off of what we've seen out of Tampa Bay recently. And, and I tell you what, it, it's really the only way I could go. Now, typically when you see a line flip like that, uh, you want to go the other way. You want to go against the move. When you see an NFL line move three points in one direction, that's when you typically want to start looking the other way. And that would indicate a play on Tampa Bay. But I, I just can't get behind this team right now. Uh, I think there's a big distraction in the locker room with Tom Brady. Uh, I think it's possible that Todd Bowles is kind of giving him uh, a special pass. And that certainly is upsetting or making the rest of the team uncomfortable. Comfortable. Uh, it, we saw it last week in the loss to Pittsburgh. Tom Brady, you know, goes to Robert Kraft's wedding and he doesn't even walk through with his team on Saturday. You know, I, I, rumor is that he's taking Wednesdays off. He missed training camp. I mean, have we ever in our lives seen Tom Brady not 100, uh, 100% committed to football? Uh, this seems to be the first time that we have. Uh, they've lost four out of their last five games. If you go back to this week coming into this game with Carolina and throw out that Kansas City game when they scored 31 points, their offense was averaging just 18 points a game through the other five games that they'd played in the season. And then today they only score three. And that didn't come until, you know, into the fourth quarter. So, and, and again, it's against the Panthers. Now, I know the Panthers have a pretty decent defense, but that defense was giving up 29, uh, 29 points per game the last three weeks. So, it, you know, it, it's just very odd with what is going on with this Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay team right now. All of a sudden, the defense isn't very good anymore uh you know maybe Todd Bowles just is not cut to be a head coach we saw him struggle when he was a head coach with the New York Jets and and right now he's really struggling with this team as well everybody's not healthy for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I get that but they they still should not be losing 21 to 3 to a team that you wonder how they had any focus for this game you mentioned tanking I mean how can you focus on the task at hand when you see all your star players being dealt and wondering if you're next and, and the coach is obviously on, you know, he's probably not long-term either. 
so I, I could really only play on the team that seems to have most, more solidarity at this point, that being the Baltimore Ravens, even in the case or even in the role of a road favorite. Yeah, I'm with you, Brady. Should be fascinating to see if they can recuperate even to some extent because you would want to You'd want to look at Tampa Bay here in that sense of, oh, everybody's freaking out. And, you know, this is their time to set it right back in the in the right course of direction. But they've had that opportunity. That's what was supposed to happen against Carolina. And when they had it against Atlanta, yeah, they won. But they still almost blew a 21-point lead. And they got the huge benefit to that roughing the passer call that shouldn't have been called on Tom Brady. So it, it's not just an abrupt thing. It's been a consistent theme with Tampa Bay. But again, uh, that's going to be fun to see how Tampa Bay bounces back on a short week and if the Ravens can keep some steam going. Uh, Brady, a game on Sunday that, again, I'm throwing these out to Brady, so he may not have interest in it. This is just me picking his brain. Uh, one of the sharpest minds in betting the NFL, former Super Contest champion. So, you know, selfishly, I want to hear what Brady's rolling with here, <laughs> uh, potentially. And Brady, I'm looking at Seattle. The Seahawks hosting the Giants. Yeah, it's mean, an interesting one, what? isn't it? All it of a is. sudden, I yeah. mean, we, we wouldn't have been saying this prior to the season starting. <laughs> right. you know, a couple of teams that everybody figured to be awful, and all of a sudden, it's one of the most yeah. uh, interesting intriguing games on the schedule for week eight. Absolutely. I mean, look, the Giants, they give all the credit in the world to what Dable's been doing and how he's been able to kind of manufacture around, I guess, limited roster talent, so to speak. But at the same time, it just feels like they're an incredibly lucky team, maybe, and at some point it's going to run out. I don't know if it happens against Seattle, but the betting market is telling us it might. Minus one in favor of Seattle. Brady now up to three at Circa. Some other books have two and a half. Uh, totals jumped up from 43 to 46 and a half. I don't know. What do you do? Do you tease up the Giants maybe? Do you buy in on Seattle? What are we thinking up there in the Northwest of the United States? Well, again, you, you and I are talking on Sunday evening and and neither you nor myself have, you know, dived into our full handicap of this game, but just the initial reaction for me would be to go with Seattle. Uh, my guess is my numbers will probably come out in favor of Seattle. Uh, you know, they've been, uh, these are probably the two biggest surprises in the NFL right now, yeah. the Giants and the Seattle Seahawks. And what's really interesting about Seattle is the last two games, their defense has all of a sudden come around. I mean, they held uh, the Arizona Cardinals to no no offensive touchdowns. They scored a touchdown on special teams and had a field goal in that Thursday night game. And I know Arizona's no great shakes, especially in that game without DeAndre Hopkins. But today they just held the Chargers to basically 16 points. They score a garbage touchdown late, but they performed really well against what should be a high-powered offense in the Los Angeles Chargers. And, and we saw them pressuring uh, Justin Herbert and forcing turnovers, a strip sack. Uh, so all of a sudden this Seattle defense is playing better uh, and they should be able to handle a New York Giant offense which is not tremendous certainly they can run the ball but if you limit Saquon Barkley uh, and force Daniel Jones to beat you I, I think that's certainly the strategy and you know the the New York Giants defense is not outstanding it is really good in the red zone though and we saw that play out today making that red zone stop against the Jacksonville Jaguars to hang on to that victory um, but I would lean with the Seattle Seahawks at less than a field goal. Uh, I, I still probably think that they're the better team right now, even though the Giants are finding wins. And let's also remember 
the Giants, in fact, the entire NFC East as a division, really has one of the easiest schedules in the NFL uh, over the course of the 18, over the course of the 17 games. Uh, so the Giants have not played the stiffest of competition, and here they are on the road getting points again. Uh, I think the odds makers are telling you something, and it looks like the odds makers were right for a long time today before they did giant things and come back in the second half. They're one of the best teams as far as scoring in the second half in the NFL. Uh, and, and I think so much needs to be said about their coach. Brian Dable is just doing an absolutely magnificent job. You can say the same thing about Pete Carroll. These two guys have to be the front yeah. runners for coach of the year right now. But I wonder about the Giants. I, I think Seattle is doing things more realistically. I, I think you will see it in their numbers that they are playing true to their metrics where I don't know if the Giants are. And I think a lot of the life that is being infused into this Giants team is their head coach. How long can that last? Uh, a week on the road across the country in the Pacific Northwest. I'd lay the uh, less than a field goal with Seattle. I love the way you put that. They're doing it more realistically. That's probably the appropriate way to discuss Seattle going against the Giants. Again, you give all the respect and credit to Dayball and what's been happening with the Giants. But in the back of your mind, you're like, ah, these games have really been coming down to the wire. Can this be sustained? Maybe against a favorable schedule. And maybe if the Seahawks weren't looking and playing the way they are. But Pete Carroll's got his boys fight. And they're a better looking team without Russell Wilson. Plain and simple. Geno Smith had the best pass rating coming into the game today. I'm not sure if he still maintained it afterward. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. Because he had a pretty dang good game. And that defense has actually been looking pretty tough. So uh, I'm with you, man. I, I could see the angle looking for Seattle to overcome the Giants in that spot. So that'll be a blast too on Sunday. Some some good games to look forward to. And uh, I know I'm smiling now, kind of just giggling about that. But I'm also just happy as a Bears fan because the Packers are struggling. Finally, <laughs> it's uh, it's been something to witness, Brady. And we're all kind of just pondering what the spread was going to be against Buffalo. And, well, it opened eight. Now we see it in double digits as high as 11.5 at Circa. Total at 47 in the hook. Uh, there is some interesting stat. Uh, maybe it was Rodgers has never been a double-digit underdog, something like that. I'll try to find it really quick. But uh, Brady, you know, we talk about get-right spots or you know buying low on a team. I don't even know if I'd want to buy low on Green Bay, although it is prime time Sunday night. But man, I mean, the Bills coming off some rest. Uh, it's it's hard to imagine that Green Bay offense will finally be solved against this Bills defense. Well, you know, we talked about it, Mike Pritchard and I, on the Pro Football Blitz earlier this evening. Uh, I, I think it's advantageous, especially in football contests like Survivor, uh, to try and identify bad teams and play against them as much as you can until the market catches up. And I'm not so sure. We talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know if the market is caught up to how bad this team is yet. I still think they are possibly, you know, making lines in Tampa Bay games based on reputation. But I'm sure. just about convinced myself that they're a bad team with a lot of issues, and I don't know if they can turn it around. There will be some spots, I imagine, certainly, but I don't know if this week is the one, and I feel kind of the same way about the Green Bay Packers. I think I'm pretty convinced that this is not a good football team. Uh, the Washington Commanders, you know, they were down 14-3 to early in that game, and they just kept fighting and chipping away at this Green Bay, you know, lack of a defense, if you will, and, and the lack of an offense that they really ha are, aren't 
able to muster. Uh, and, and Matt LaFleur, I believe, is a very good coach. And, and you know, Aaron Rodgers, obviously a tremendous quarterback, but he just doesn't really have the weapons. They don't seem to have the continuity. The offensive line is now a little bit banged up once again. Uh, so I, I would be betting actually against the Packers just because I think the market, again, like I say with Tom Brady, I think the market is still probably giving Rodgers a pass because they everybody expects that eventually it's got to turn. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are a team that tends to bully people and beat up on people and will cover these big numbers. We've seen that in the past in the Josh Allen era. The one thing that gives me a little bit of pause here, now it didn't work today. I like to play against teams that go into the bye week that are on a roll and play on teams that are going into the bye week struggling. The Detroit Lions went into the bye week struggling. They're still struggling. They didn't get it figured out. The Tennessee Titans went into the bye week on a roll. They had won three in a row. Now they've won four. So that stop in their momentum did not hurt them. The Buffalo Bills is an interesting situation. They've won a few games in a row now. They just slayed the dragon that is the Kansas City Chiefs. If they were playing the very next week, if they were playing this week, you would expect a letdown. But they were able to kind of catch their breath and go into that bye week. So did the bye week stop their momentum or did it avoid a possible letdown? I think it's possibly the latter. And I tell you, I would probably lay the double digits here if you force me to bet this game. So VEASAN's very own Ben Fox did tweet it out saying the Green Bay Packers currently 10 and a half point underdogs at the Bills in week eight at DraftKings Sportsbook. And he goes on to say Aaron Rodgers has never been a double digit dog in his career. So uh, here's the first opportunity to fade him in that specific situation. But I will echo all the sentiment you have for this game. There's just nothing great or even good on the side of the Cheeseheads right now. And uh, yeah, that bye week coming at a very nice time uh, for Buffalo going against Green Bay. I mean, even if Green Bay was on a roll, especially in that situation, and Buffalo would have a lot more time to prepare, and it's always tough to overcome Aaron Rodgers. But hey, if Taylor Heineke's doing it, I think you don't have anything to worry about. And Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones, like, I think Josh Allen will have it covered. So we'll see if he can cover the double-digit spread. Uh, final game I got to ask you about here, Brady. I know you are the resident 49ers fan. Didn't go according to plan against Kansas City. But now we get Shanahan against McVay, right? It's always an interesting situation between these two teams. And we already saw the 49ers bully the Rams like Shanahan has done so many times against McVay. The Rams are coming off a bye week. Los Angeles early on opened two and a half, but now San Fran has flipped to minus two. Total anywhere from 40 and a half to 41. I, 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 don't, I just don't want to do anything with the Rams right now, Brady. I don't care what happened in their last game. I don't have confidence in them, and I'm not taking away anything from that game against Kansas City. Like, that outcome could happen to any team. It could have happened to the Bills. That's just how great the Chiefs are. They're getting McCaffrey now in the offense with another week to prepare. Hopefully the 49ers can still get a little bit healthier coming into this spot. And I get when you look at division matchups, especially so close, you would think you'd want to split with them. But I don't know. I would almost be tempted to go back to the well with the 49ers in this spot. What say you? 
Yeah, a couple things. You know, I just talked about the bye week, and, and the Rams are certainly a team that is struggling, and that is good. The bye week is good for a team that is struggling, and oftentimes I like to bet on that team yeah. on the other side because you figure they get their act together, and, and maybe it doesn't last for a few weeks. Maybe they continue to be a bad team, but that immediate game on the other side of the bye week, sometimes they'll come with a pretty inspired effort, and, and I would expect that out of the Rams here. However... I just don't, I'm with you. I don't think this Rams team is very good. There are still problems on the offensive line. They don't have a running game. They're very one-dimensional. And the 49ers, I think, can run their offense so much more effectively against this Rams defense. And, and this Chiefs game, this was a pretty close game. I mean, obviously for the first half, it was only 14-13. Yeah. And then late in the fourth quarter, it was only a five-point game as well. The biggest part of that game was the 49ers not being able to pressure Patrick Mahomes. The offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs did a fantastic job. We saw early on one of the 49ers uh, defensive backs intercepted Mahomes. They turned that into a touchdown, and I thought that was the way the game was going to go. But they were never able to rattle him uh, throughout the rest of the game. And when he's got time in the pocket like that, you saw what he was able to do. With the Rams and that porous offensive line, I think it's a different story here. Maybe Eric Armstead gets healthy and he's able to come back. Bosa's already back for the 49ers. They're getting healthier as every week goes by. And then you add Christian McCaffrey as an element to that offense. And you talked about it now with a full week of practice. I mean, he was pretty darn good with two days of practice against the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, I, I would lean with the Niners here. And even though, and I talked about it earlier, when you see a line flip like that, typically you want to go the other way. But maybe we're actually getting a little value here with the 49ers. Can you believe what the line would be if, if they had beaten the Kansas City Chiefs? Right. So the fact that they were smoked by the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, maybe maybe this line is actually lower than what it should be. So I'd probably be going with the road favorite here as well. Good point. Good point. Yeah, they'd probably be, what, three and a half at least, if not four. Yeah, uh, after the I, I would say probably four. You know, if they yeah. beat Kansas City, who knows? Maybe four and a half. For sure. Yeah, I like that. Hey, you know, we get a lot of these opportunities sometimes where you think, ah, I don't know. And then you look back and you're like, man, that was a great spot to really jump in on. And Shanahan against McVay typically ends up being in that uh, conversation or in the realm of going back and saying, yeah, you know what? It's uh, it's good to back Shanahan. He knows how to overcome McVay more often than not. So go you to know, week Danny, eight to look. Oh, yeah, go yeah, ahead. I, I'm just going to throw in. You know, there there were times when the Chiefs made the 49ers look silly today. But if you watch that game, you also realize this 49er team's pretty darn good. Um, oh, yeah. Like I say, they couldn't get pressure on Mahomes, and that was pretty much the difference. If they get pressure on Stafford, it's a whole different story. This team is still, I think, a far better team than the Rams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Huge separation. And you're right. I mean, there were multiple instances where the 49ers were in that game. It just so happens that the Chiefs broke away, and it's not like it was unlucky or you know something that wasn't deserved. No, that's just football sometimes. But the 49ers are a scrappy bunch. Jimmy Garoppolo had 
some really bad decisions like at the end of the first half with that interception so uh, that's ill-advised that's something that he knows he has to correct and I think he's going to be able to do that against the Rams so I like the angle you're approaching for week eight and like I was going to say we have a hell of a week eight to look forward to I know you will have plenty of coverage with that throughout the week all the, with all of Eason's programming and uh, hey make sure you follow Brady on Twitter folks at Las Vegas Golfer and as for myself at Danny Burke 5. Uh, remember to check out Prop Watch, also available on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast feed. I'll be dishing out a couple of bets in terms of my favorite props for Monday Night Football. But thank you to everybody for tuning in to another edition of VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast for Brady Cannon and myself. Always appreciate it. Make sure you like and subscribe. Best of luck with your plays for Monday Night and beyond, and take care, folks.